0: And I'll invite Casey. Casey, come on up. This is Casey. I met Casey Flagg maybe just a month ago at an event that Union Gospel Mission was hosting here in Bellevue, and she just opened up and shared her story. I think I prompted a couple questions, and then she, she gave me the snapshot, and then I needed to hear more because it's a powerful story, one of uh, the most significant or powerful stories I've heard in a long time of God's saving grace. And I said, would you come and share that with us? A message needs to be heard, and she said Yes. Uh, but this is maybe one of a few times that you've done this in this context, and so how blessed are we to have her. I truly believe she will do this hundreds of times because this is how powerful the story is of God's redeeming grace, and we're excited to be toward the front end and extend grace to you. As she said, I get concerned or nervous, and no, there's yeah. peace, of, peace of God and the grace of this family for you today, so we're excited to hear. But we're going to start with... The current work you're doing, and then I'll let you fill in the rest of the story of how you got there. It's a little bit backwards. But you work for Kent Hope with Union Gospel Mission. So first, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Can you give her a hand? Welcome, Casey. So for those that either don't know about Union Gospel Mission or have just only heard of it and maybe don't know uh, about Kent Hope at all, tell us a little bit about those two ministries.
1: So the Union Gospel Mission... I'm sorry. Um,
0: We got water. We got tissues. We're going to be right.
1: I'm good. Okay. Um, Is started in the 1920s um, during a time of great poverty, and they what they did was they gathered. Wait, not 1920s. It was 19. It was during the Depression. Okay. (laughs) Late
0: 20s. 30s?
1: No, wasn't that in the 30s and 40s? Yep. Well, right.
0: 1929, it crashed, the 30s. Depression. Okay. Yeah.
1: So they went around Seattle and gathered all the churches and said, we need to do something. So that's how the Union Gospel Mission started. They just gathered the churches and they said, we need to, we need to help our people. Um, we need to go out there and we need to feed and we need to clothe and we need to give shelter and um, provide hope to, to our, our community that is, has no hope. So over that time, the Union Gospel Mission has grown into a massive organization. Um, We serve men, women, children, um, all ages, um, and we have all different types of ministries, and one of those ministries is Kent Hope, and it is designated specifically, it's an emergency shelter for women with children. Um, And we serve, on average, 30 women a day, and two children.
0: Um, you had you had some stats here. You want to go to the next slide of? Do we want you, to do the video? Is it is the next slide the video or is the next slide the stats? What do we? No. What?
1: Let's do the video. You want to do the video now? Let's do the okay, video. we're ready
0: for the video. We're going to be a video a video snapshot of Kent Hope when you guys are ready.
2: I was in a thirty-year marriage, not a happy one, but there was a lot of uh, turmoil. When my kids went to college and
3: were graduating um, it just fell apart even worse. I was in a relationship for 27 years and uh, my significant other um, started doing heroin behind my back and I found him on the floor in our basement um, almost dead. I didn't know how to detach myself or separate myself from him and I knew that I loved him was forced to shoot him up for a while, and then I ended up. I got so depressed and sad. I started doing it myself.
4: Always uh, bullied in school, and um, never had any friends. So yeah, I started drinking when I was 14, and uh, then started smoking weed when I was 16. And then I got married to my first husband when I was 18. My husband beat me, so we were married like four years, and I left him and my son. The next day, I quit my job and started prostituting. And then I moved into the motel. I was there for 17 years. Originally from Korea, and I was abandoned um, when
1: I was over there, and then I was adopted. And my adopted family... Um, had a lot of abuse towards my mother and towards my oldest brother. Emotional abuse t- to us girls, with me and my sister. led to a lot of getting into situations that I sh- probably shouldn't be in.
2: There were a couple times
1: where I tried
2: to end my life. And, um...
0: <laughs>
2: sorry. I'm just so grateful to... The Union Gospel Mission for turning my life around.
3: I was just wandering around pretty lonely and abandoned. Um, pretty much that's the way I felt. My family's not here. I was by myself um, and just didn't know what to do. And I started going to Can't Hope. When I walked through the door, almost hit my knees and started crying. And um, I was just like, you know, I knew that God had brought me here. Um, that I needed to heal.
4: I had a friend give me a ride. They were like 10 minutes away from where I lived. They took me in and uh, called Kent Hope, and I was there like in 45 minutes. I've learned a lot I like, safe people and boundaries
1: and self worth and love, God's love.
2: It just seems like the more scripture I read, the more balanced I became the more hopeful I became, finally realized that God loved me, that I wasn't a mistake.
4: I'm so lucky to be alive. I was ready to change my life. I wasn't nervous or anything. I just wanted it so much. I put my whole self into the program. So I love it here.
3: I feel like my wounds have healed, um, like I'm able to go back out on my own again and be a productive part of society and help give back the way that, you know, the mission has helped me.
0: We're getting us out of order. Okay, now you
1: <clears throat> So take
0: over from there. This is where you work.
1: This is where I work. So I work with a lot of these ladies, and I, I love them dearly. They're so beautiful. So to see them where they are now from where they came in it it just it, it hits me it pulls at my heartstrings because those ladies are now thriving mm. um let's go to the slide of the um statistics because we have a lot of okay so that's the number of neighbors that are living homeless in king county right now and i say neighbors because these neighbors we do numbers we do a lot of numbers at the ugm and um about 70% live in. of the women that we serve live in, their last permanent address was in Kent. Um, 90% are in King County, and there's like maybe one out of 30 that are from out of state. So these are women that grew up and went to school and, and lived in, in our city. So um, they come in with a lot of different barriers. If we can go to the next one. Next one. (laughs) Um, They come in with, a lot of women come in beaten up and bruised, um, and they are seeking safe shelter from uh, an abusive partner or family member. Uh, Mental illness, physical disability, uh, a lot of them are addicted, and A lot of them have multiple of these issues overlapping. So, some of the things that we do, we can go on, um, is we offer resources for housing, uh, treatment. We also have a long term treatment center that is Christ centered, where women can go for a year or longer and um, get the help that they need. We offer free legal services. Um, we do one on one case management and counseling on a daily basis. Um, we do a search and rescue where we go out into the community at night and we pick up women that are living homeless and we bring them back to our shelter. So, um, we have, we, Kent Hope opened in 2013, and next slide. Um, since 2013, we have gotten 547 women and children out of homelessness. 229 women have gotten new employment. And we have served over 100,000 meals. We do three meals a day.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, so. How,
0: so how many hours a week do you work with Kent Hope?
1: So I work 30 hours a week. I have part-time position. Okay. I, I would... Go fifty sixty, and I have <laughs> during the snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. But um, I love it there. I absolutely love it there.
0: Awesome. So UGM, I think more people will probably be aware of Union Gospel Mission, but maybe not this branch of Union Gospel Mission. So if people wanted to give, because they're fully uh, supported by generous donations, yeah. So right. UGM dot org or UGM dot org. UGM dot org, and then you can designate a gift directly to Kent Hope through them. So yeah. We wanted to hear this this highlight, you know, I mean, when I heard that, I just wanted to bring into your awareness uh, a pretty awesome ministry that's doing some great things in our city. So, one, I want to take advantage of that. When I got to know Casey last month, uh, I said, well, that would be awesome to have you come and share that. And then there's more to the story, and she's going to share her story of how she ended up working with Kent Hope because that is, in some ways, going to preach the message that we were right. In, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 uh, talking about the lavish grace of God and his redeeming love for us and so there may not be anything more for me to say after you share this story uh, so I encourage you to engage in her story and Casey's story and respond as as God leads so I'm going to sit down and let you tell the rest of right. that story. Sounds right? good. And I told you I'd get tissues. Do you still Just to have them accessible just in case. And you can use the stand here. You can pace around. Uh, But thank you. Let let me pray for you. Let's pray for these women again. And I'm sure we'll do that as we close today also. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do uh, just get our hearts uh, tugged. And thank you for this reminder. Uh, We do see it in our city. uh, But sometimes we have blinders and we need reminders of hurt and brokenness and poverty. Thank you, Jesus, for being the God who has come to the poor and broken and needy. Remind us all of our, our current estate and our uh, estate without you, Lord, that you have lavished grace and riches upon us and blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And thank you for your drawing of sons and daughters into your family. We thank you for the story we are about to hear of that same saving healing, redeeming grace in Casey's life. So empower her to speak and share. May it reach our hearts and minds for your glory and for our joy, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Casey, take it away. Thank
1: you. All right, I'm gonna, because I want to see everyone, so I'm gonna come back here. That's better. Okay. <laughs> um, I First, I want to just, I want to thank Ben, and I want to thank all of you for having me here today. Um, I've been pretty nervous, and Freaking out a little bit, and I text Ben. I told him I'm so nervous. Will you pray for me? And he said, he said, "Um, I will. I have been praying for you, and I'll continue to pray for you. But I just want you to know that you don't need to be nervous because you're among family. And I was like, ah, duh, duh, Casey. What are you freaking out about? So um, thank you for having me. And um, Lord, I just pray that um, I give you all the honor and the glory because to you is where it is deserved. Um, Spirit, I just, I ask that, um, as I step back, Holy Spirit, that you just, um, you pour in and and pour out, God, um, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, I don't want to say anything that is not of you, um, I don't want to say anything that I think sounds good, Lord, but that I just say what you have me to say, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so I'm going to start with a, a brief background of how I grew up. I grew up um, in a um, only child of uh, a single mother, um, an alcoholic mother. Um, I love her dearly, um, and I know that she did the best that she could. Um, but but she's she's sick. So, um, again, she did the best she could. <clears throat> I, um, maybe I was a little wild child. Um, I, you know, I had a rebellious side, and um, I wanted adventure and excitement, so I was running around with my friends, and I started getting in trouble at a pretty young age. Um, and my mom, she didn't know how to... How to handle that she she didn 't know what to do um, and so she reached out to some family and uh, they presented her with this with this school in Missouri for troubled teens and this is a um, basically a it 's a reform school for for kids that are um, getting in trouble. So she sent me to this place. Um, it was called Mountain Park Baptist Boarding Academy in the mountains of Missouri. There's no people for miles. And, um, and I remember um, stepping into this place, and I was, I, well, first of all, I didn't know where I was going. Um, my mom wasn't about to tell me, hey, I'm dropping you off at a boarding school, and you're going to be locked up for a year. The um, Lord blinded me. And um, she said, we're just gonna go into this, we're going on vacation, and um, we're gonna stop at this place and check it out, and just, you know, see, see, what, see what this place is. And I, okay. Um, and we walked in, and I had no idea that that was the last time I was gonna see my mom for, for a year. Um, that she was leaving me in the hands of these people that um, she had never met before, and that I never knew. And um, it changed my life. Um, they they put me in a dress, and they combed my hair to the side, and they took off all my makeup. And I was about twelve years old, so I probably shouldn't have been wearing makeup, anyways. And um, they opened the Bible, and um, they had me memorize scripture, and. They told me about Jesus, and they told me that there is a God, and He is He's wanting a relationship with you, Casey. Okay, um, and this is how you this is this is how you um, come to know Him, and and this is what He wants for you, and this is how He loves you. And um, I remember as a twelve-year-old little girl, just so lost. And so desperate for what what what's the meaning of life. I sat on the top bunk of that boarding school and I I prayed this little prayer. I said, I don't know if I'm saying the right words, but I know that God knows my heart, right? Um so I stayed in that boarding school for a year, memorizing scripture learning the Word of God, and um, changing. I was transforming, and it was beautiful until my mom couldn't afford it anymore, or the family that was paying for it couldn't afford it anymore. And they took me out of school, and I was devastated because I was safe there. They brought me home to the same home that I was living in, getting in trouble, around my friends, being wild, and when my mom was drinking. And um, I didn't have the support, and I didn't have the surrounding of my sisters in school, or the staff at the boarding school. Um, and I did what I knew was comfortable, and I did what was Familiar, and I started running around with the little kids in the neighborhood getting in trouble again. And I'm a little bit older at this point, so a little bit more things are available for excitement. And one of those things was methamphetamine. And um, at the age of 15, I was completely hooked and addicted, and again, I'm almost like, I don't know what to do with this child. She's, she's wild, and she's out here, and she's doing drugs, and she's hanging out with these older men, and I can't handle this. And she kicked me out. She said, you can't be in my house. Um, you've got to do this somewhere else. So, so I left, and I went to the only place that I knew to go, and um, that was the streets. And I was 15 years old and I'm trying to go to school and I'm trying to have fun with my friends and I'm trying to have somewhere to live and I'm just trying to have some type of normalcy. And I couldn't do it. And all I wanted was, was a family. A family that would take me in and love me. Um, and I... I just remember thinking, but I'm too old to be adopted. I'm too old to be adopted. Nobody wants me. So I kept going. I kept going in that life. And um, still trying to hold on to graduate high school. Because I didn't want to be a high school dropout. I knew that I had potential to be something or somebody. Um. But I was just trying to survive. By the age of eighteen, it was probably a couple weeks after my eighteenth birthday. A friend said, "Hey, I know how you can get the money that you need to survive." Said anything. Because I'm living homeless and I'm trying to go to school and I'm trying to work two jobs and I can't do it. And she took me to the strip club. And I was just like, "This, this is amazing. This is it. This is the answer. Little did I know what that lifestyle would take me into. Because not only am I now sucked into that, oh, I need the money, I, the money is what's filling me, I need the money, I need the money, but I'm also trying to numb that pain of what I'm doing, what I'm doing to get the money. So I'm doing more and more drugs, a larger variety of drugs. And I'm so blinded to the cycle of what I'm doing. That the things that I'm doing are killing me. But that's the only thing I can do to stay alive and survive. So eventually, it got so bad that the strip club, they fired me. And I always joke that you know, if you get fired from the strip club, like that's it's pretty bad. So um, they fired me, and um, I had to make a living, make means to survive on my own. Um, and so I took that, I took that hustle from the club, and I took it to the streets. And, um, and I did things that I'm not proud of. Things happened that I'm still processing and working through today. Um, I hurt a lot of people and one of those people was my mom the police were constantly um, knocking on her door and looking for me and hunting me down and she said I can't do this Casey I kicked you out a long time ago but you're still haunting my life so she packed her things, and she moved. And she moved away. And it hurt. She's the only one that I knew. I had no brothers and sisters. My dad, he's in prison. I didn't know him. Um, and she left. During that time, I had a child on the street. And um, the state took my son. His name's Calvin. um, And that loss, um, I think I stayed in that denial stage of grief. For quite some time, and I denied the loss of my son, and though he's still very alive and well, um, he was dead to me because I couldn't—I couldn't deal with that. I was a failure, a complete and utter failure. So I go deeper and harder into what's killing me. And I am all I want to do is numb the pain because so much had happened, and I had nowhere to turn, and nobody wanted me, and I remember crying out. On dark nights, in the middle of empty parking lots, and saying, God, where are you? Saying, God, I'm sorry. Saying, God, I don't want this. But I don't know how to stop. I can't, and just begging God, give me the desire, give me the desire to stop living life this way. I remember hearing that the only way to change is to hit rock bottom. And I thought I had hit rock bottom time after time after time. And I'd ask God and I'd say, how is this not my bottom? I've lost everything. I have no one. I'm hungry. I'm dirty. And I have nowhere to go. I prayed that prayer for years. For about four years, I prayed that prayer. And I just kept praying it. It's all I knew what to do. So God intervenes in mysterious ways. I met a man that um, would not be the ideal man um, to. Um, well, I met a man and he said, I'm going to let you stay in the garage just so you have shelter because. A five-foot little blonde like you should not be out on the streets like that. So he brought me in, and he gave me shelter and food, and I lived there for about two years. I said, oh, I'm good. Give me shelter, food, drugs, anything I needed. And I started to hear this, this voice inside me. Um, and it said, Casey, knock, knock. Now's the time. It's time now. It's time to quit what you're doing because I have a plan, but I won't delay. You either shape up or ship out. And I ignored it. I said, no. Nope, nope, nope. I'm good. I've got what I need now. This is what I've been striving for. Housing, food, shelter, drugs. I've got it. I'm good. And the voice kept coming. And kept saying, no. Now. Now. Before it's too late. And I kept ignoring it. I will say that I was probably so far from God that I wouldn't recognize the whole, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, but I knew that this wasn't a voice of myself. This came from deep within. So one day, <clears throat> I was doing what I always do. I was living for me and getting high. And um, um and I had I had my drugs and I had injected something into my body that was not what I thought it was. And I instantly felt it go to my heart and start pumping throughout every inch of my body. And I knew something was wrong. And I panicked. I panicked and I prayed. I said, God, please don't let this be what I think it is. And as I felt it get stronger and stronger, I ran inside the house and I filled up the bathtub with water, with warm water, and I prepared to die. In that bathtub, and I was terrified, and I hurt, and I was freezing cold, and my body was getting stiff, and I, I was crying. And again, I said, God, I'm sorry. I know you have a plan for me. And now it's too late. And I just thought about, this is it. This is what I'm going to be remembered by. A life of sin and torment. Dying alone in a bathtub doing nothing, contributing nothing, just taking it, taking it, taking from society. And I said, God, I don't want this to be my story. I don't want this to be the end. I want what you have for me, Lord. And um, the scripture The scripture that I memorized in boarding school when I was 12 years old, it came pouring out of me. I think we have the scripture, Um, yeah, Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2, and I had prayed this scripture before in jail, in a jail cell, multiple times, and it was a surface prayer. But those moments in the bathtub, this came from the deepest parts of my soul. It was just, it was shooting through me. And I said, hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry out to Thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I." And I felt and I experienced every single word of those verses. And I poured everything I had in my heart into each word of those verses. And then I came to acceptance. Said God, I made my choice. My life is in your hands. Literally, I know you have the power to save me right now. But whether or not you choose to is up to you. I've made my choice. I've made my decision. I did what I did, and I. there's no turning back for me. God, this is all on you. I said, but I, I am completely surrendered to you, and I am okay either way. If you choose to save me, my life is yours. Whatever plan you have for me, it's yours. But if you choose to take me home right now, right here in this bathtub, okay. I'm yours, and I'm okay with whatever you have for me. And I don't know how long I was in that bathtub, but I'll tell you, there was a point. It seemed like forever. It was probably just a few minutes, right? Um, and I started to feel different. Started to feel. Parts of me were coming back alive and I was am I tripping right now or am I okay and I stood up out of that bathtub and I could stand and I felt alive and I felt restored and I felt new and I felt free and I fell to my knees. I slammed to my knees because I realized God just saved me. Me! And the only thing I could say is, God, why? Why would you save me? Why would you do something like that? And I think I even asked God, like, do you even know who I am? Do you even know what I've done? And it was in that moment that I realized how little I am. And how big our God is. How big he is. And I was so overwhelmed with this undeserved love and grace that hit me like a ton of bricks. And it knocked me on my knees. I said, God, I'm not worthy of this. I don't know why you would pour this out in abundance on someone like me. But okay. Okay. So from that moment, I um, knew I had a tough road ahead of me, and I um, I clung to I clung to prayer and the scriptures, and I clung to God's amazing grace. To God, I can't do this alone. I, I'm just physically not capable. I need you to get me through this. So I spent the next two months detoxing cold turkey in a basement or a garage. and um, I started getting involved, and I started seeking out the plan that God has for me. Because God said, I have a plan for you, and I was ready for it, right? I'm like, let's do this. And I started making a list, and I was like, and I'm going to be a reporter, and I'm going to travel the, word, the world, and I'm going um, to be a writer, and I'm going to do all these great, amazing, glorious things. I'm like, which one is it, God? I've got my list. What's it going to be? And then um, about six months later, I started feeling a tug. And it's the Holy Spirit again. And he's like, Casey, do you remember those woods that you used to live in? Do you remember those people that you used to run with? I want you to go back. I so, said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pump the brakes here. I just climbed to the nail out of that pit, and you want me to go back? And so, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner, and... Once again, I ignored that voice, and it started to affect me physically. Um, The more I tried to turn from that nudge, the harder it pushed. I felt like I was going to vomit at times. So I went to my pastor at the time, and I said, Ah, so God's kind of crazy, and I think he wants me to do this, and... He said, yes, let's do that. We're behind you 100%. I'm like, no, you're my pastor. (laughs) You're not supposed to say that. But um, the church came behind me, and we went out there. And um, we went out there faithfully week after week. And I ran into people that I used to get high with. And um, we started a Bible study in the Wendy's right outside the woods that we used to, the encampment that we used to live. People would come to the Bible study, and I would be able to share with them, you know me, you know where I've been. Jesus changed my life, and he wants to change yours too. And this is available for you. And I can help you because that's what I'm here to do. That's what He sent me here to do. And we saw some pretty miraculous things up there. Um, We saw lives changed, we saw people surrendering their life to Christ, we saw people get reunited with their families. We saw um, babies being born, not in tents in the woods, but coming out of the woods and being born in hospitals. There was a woman, her name's Amanda, and we met her. She was living in a tent with her boyfriend. She's eight months pregnant, and she started coming to our Bible study. She had never seen a doctor. The whole time she's pregnant. She gave her life to Christ at the Bible study, And then, two months later, she had her baby in a hospital. And that baby is alive and well now, with family. And the amazing thing about that is because when I had my son, I was right where she was. Homeless, addicted, and pregnant. And not only was I able to be there for that baby, in a way that I couldn't be there for my own son 13 years prior, but I got to be there for her because I had stood right in her shoes and I felt all the things that she was feeling. God gave me that opportunity. Today, I'm working for the Union Gospel Mission, praise the Lord, because I couldn't afford to continue in the ministry um, the way I wanted to. Um, so, so now I am so blessed and so grateful. Um, it just blows my mind every day when I leave work, and I'm like, are paying me for this. This is awesome. And I get to work with women that walk into my office every day with problems and barriers and struggles and fears and pain that I have experienced. And every time I'm like, God, I can see how you can use All this stuff from my past, but this one thing right here, I don't know how that can be of use. A woman will come into my office and say, This is what I'm going through. (laughs) And God is just faithful. He's so faithful to show me, Casey, every single point of pain and brokenness and struggle that you went through, it's being used for my glory. None of that is in vain. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all those years that I was so separated and distant from God and living the way I was living because little did I know that even though I was doing my thing, God was like, yep, this is her training right here. This is her training season because I, I see where she's going. I see what I'm going to do. Now, I would never want to go through it again, but every time I get to come up here and share this and relive I am so grateful. Because I need to. I need to relive those moments in the bathtub. I never never want to come so distant from that point of being on my knees on the bathroom floor saying, "God, why me? Why why would you save me?" I want that moment, that desperation, that Power and that grace to stay alive in my heart forever. So I, I like to share a scripture um, that for me really just sums it all up, the whole story. Psalm 40, verse one through three. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and trust in the Lord. Those three verses, one by one, bam, 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 a summary. Now, I love the ministry that I'm in. I love the ministry that God has called me to. And I love being surrendered to Him and His crazy Holy Spirit that makes me do things that I would never think of. Um, but I can't do it alone. One of the greatest realizations that I have is I am just Casey, right? That is the best thing. That is the best thing. I'm just Casey, and I can go so hard in the ministry, but I won't go far if I'm going alone. So I'm asking if anyone feels led to partner with me or the Union Gospel Mission, there's three ways, prayer, ongoing financial support, and boots on the ground. We need volunteers. Do I have time to share one quick story? This is why we need volunteers. Last weekend, my friend volunteered at the shelter. Ended up spending an entire afternoon with a woman. Her name's Catherine. My friend, volunteered, sat with her, spent the entire afternoon. This woman, she had just been in our shelter since the end of March. She was just learning about Jesus and the gospel, but she was confused. Native American woman that was holding on to her native roots and um, beliefs and religion. And this volunteer came and said, no. Jesus is the only way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Miss Catherine died yesterday morning in our shelter. And I have to believe. that that was the purpose of our volunteer coming in and spending that time with her. I have to believe because God is good and he is sovereign and he has a plan. She's going to be... She's greatly missed and greatly loved. But I believe... that because God brought her to Kent Hope and because God brought that specific volunteer to her on that specific day, that it's okay. That I will see her again. Because God knew the time of her coming home. And that's the urgency of the gospel. That's the urgency of the mission field that is right here in our very neighborhood, right now, today, right outside these walls. I just want to thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for preaching the messages I've been preaching, but with a new voice. And new power so thank you. I hope you're encouraged. Um, let's lead into a response. Are you okay to pray for us into response? I am. just a moment, so stay here for a moment. Uh, there's a, a couple different ways to respond. I hope you're you're recognizing that. One is for those that have experienced the grace of Christ in their life, circumstances are different in our stories, but our, our need and desperation is the same. We were all trapped. Running, rebellious, enslaved, in need of the freedom and grace of Christ. So be reminded of that as you come to communion. Be reminded of what was paid for you because of his rich love for you. The scripture we're supposed to be on that I had written some notes on, but I think you covered. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And I was going to camp on that phrase. God knows us, sees us in all wisdom and all insight and has chosen and loved and saved, regardless of who we are or aren't or what we've done or haven't done. And you preached that message as a reminder. We need that reminder. And so respond that way. And if you're in a place saying, you know what, I've... I've, said words and I've tried to do good things and I've memorized scriptures or I've come to church, but I don't I don't know that Jesus has my life. I've never given it. I do that today. There's an urgency to the gospel. His grace is sufficient today. But we don't know our days, do we? So come, respond, and let your movement toward the communion table be a part of that response of indication of drawing to Jesus. Receive his life in your place. Another way to respond is many of us probably have loved ones who are hurting, trapped, broken, either on the streets or in addiction or lost. And I know for me, hearing your story reminds me of faithfulness in prayer. No one's outside of God's love and his reach, regardless of where they are. And so, if that's you and you've got a loved one, and Casey said she's willing to pray with you on their behalf for them, she's walked that journey. And it could be any, the circumstances may not be identical, but there could be any number I know in this room. And so, keep praying and respond that way. And then, third, we respond by a chance to give generously. That's what you do, by the way, it's the heartbeat of of the history of Union Hill Church and the Alliance movement as you support missionaries. And Casey, you're a missionary to these ladies, and so we would like to support you. One, give directly to UGM, market can't hope, maybe do so regularly if you're stirred to do so. If you want to make a one-time gift, what you don't know is I called your Pastor Jonah. I'm getting to know Pastor Jonah this last year. I'm in a cohort with him, part of Awakening Church, a new church plant in Bellevue that started last September. And I called Jonah, because you mentioned something in your story about how can you be in a place for consistent ministry for the long haul? And there's a fear of potential homelessness again in your story, and you're trusting God and walking by faith. And so I called Pastor Jonah, and I said, if there was some way that we could get Casey into a long-term secure position, what would that look like, and would that be helpful? Could we partner in doing that? And he was overwhelmed and a little emotional on the phone and so I knew I'd struck a chord and so I talked with our mercy team and we would like to get you into an apartment by whenever you find that right apartment and what we can at least do I think is cover first and last and deposit and I am and trust I'm asking you because right now we don't have the full funds to do that but I believe we will after today and in this next week You can text right now to our Benevolent, 84321. If you text any amount to Benevolent, that will allow our Mercy team to steward that, and we'll partner with Awakening Church to make that happen. And maybe you have some sites on an apartment, or I don't don't know where you're at. We haven't even talked. It's a little bit of a surprise, I'm sure, (laughs) to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we want to get you, as a missionary in a long-term, sustainable place, We can do that. You can do that. And so let's be generous, church, as as you already have been in partnering and supporting missionaries. Sound good? Because we want you, for the long haul, proclaiming this message and the hope of Christ. And we know that that gift will go a long ways to seeding that. So text to give, write a check. You can do that throughout this week. We'll remind you of ways to do that. So would you pray for us? And then I'll pray for us. And team... A music team to come i know we've extended time here i think that was okay today right. if you're on the run today and have plans which are awesome and good or travel plans you can do that if you can linger and sing with us and respond in worship and respond in <clears throat> communion and respond generously or come for prayer uh, i'm happy to pray with you as well as casey is so let's let's be the church that's what we do right. would you pray for us
1: yes father i just i, I thank you god you're so good you are so merciful. Lord, thank you for everything that you do. God, I just ask that you come behind us. Come behind the words that your Holy Spirit spoke through me, Lord, and continue to minister to, um, to the hearts. Father, I pray for our, our neighbors in need that are hurting and suffering and cold and hungry. Lord, send people, send your people to love them. Lord, and I know that your people that are sent will be more blessed by our neighbors in need than they could ever give blessing to our neighbors in need. Let us do everything in humility for your name's sake, Father. In Jesus' name.
0: Lord, we thank you for Casey and being a picture of your redeeming grace, your lavish grace. Remind us also of what we need as we respond in song and proclamation and coming to the table, being reminded of what you have done and continue to do. And I pray for Casey that you would give her continued and even increased boldness and stamina and perseverance and hope in proclaiming the gospel that she would be light and salt Mm -hmm. where she goes. Thank you for the chance to partner with her. And we pray, Lord, that you would have all the glory as she has prayed for our joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Let's respond, church, as you are led.